Fourth quarter here on Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We'll do our best not to be a no-show like the Phoenix Suns were in the fourth quarter <laughs> in Game 7 yesterday. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on the CC call-in line, Triple H say espn That's 888-729-3776. And the question is simple. Who's more to blame for the Suns' meltdown in Game 7 at home? Is it Chris Paul? Is it Devin Booker? Is it Monty Williams? Hit us up on the CC call line. Again, the number is 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And, big fella, I know that we should be talking about the greatness of Luka Doncic coming off of that 123-90 to blowout win to advance to the Western Conference Finals, a series in which Luka averaged 32-10-7. He was absolutely phenomenal again yesterday, 35 points. The guy was a stat machine, Carlin. You're talking about a player that was plus 37 in 30 minutes. He had as many points at halftime as the whole damn Suns team. And yet the story of today was Chris Paul and how bad he was. Chris Paul, who over the last five games scored a total of 47 points. Chris Paul, a guy that didn't make a field goal by halftime. Chris Paul, a player that in Carlin, in 31 minutes played, was minus 39 in plus minus. How do you explain that for a guy that's trying to compete for a championship in the twilight of his career? Well, I think you hit on it at the very end, the twilight of his career. He's not the player that he was. And I fully expected that, as you heard us talk about last week, just a moment ago, that this would be a situation where Chris Paul would show up and play angry in one of these games and actually deliver. He didn't. I'm not going to blame him, though, the most for what happened yesterday. I'm putting that on Devin Booker. Hmm. Because you're an MVP candidate in this league. People were having that discussion this year because you'd have the Embiid's and the Jokic's and all those discussions, but then you'd have people chime, well, what about Devin Booker? What about him? You don't show up in Game 7 and put up 11 points on 3 of 14 from the floor. And to me, this is... It's so tantamount to what we unfortunately saw with Embiid in Game 5 and what we saw yesterday with um, with Booker. Because Booker to me is a guy, Chris, that last year they go up two games to none and then get swept thereafter in the finals. Yep. This year you're a team that goes and has the best record in the league and you are playing as if – you are playing angry off of what happened, and we're going to prove everything we can to the world. And then you have that kind of a game in a game seven on your home court? How does that happen exactly? It, we can point the finger at Monty Williams. We can point the finger at Chris Paul. We can point the finger at a lot of people. Yeah. Devin Booker in the last two games of that series was absolutely awful. <laughs> he was, Chris, I think, it, I think. I saw it this morning. I believe the number was 9 of 31 and didn't hit a 3 in the last two games of the series. How does that, when you're an MVP candidate, when you are the leader of the team, when you're paid the most on the team, as mm-hmm. you pointed out earlier, how does that happen exactly? Why shouldn't I point the finger at him first? Oh, no. Devin Booker certainly deserves his share of blame in all of this, but Devin Booker's also 25 years old, Carlin. And I, I know, and, but and he's been to a finals. No, I'm with you, but I just think there is a level of urgency that people feel like Chris Paul should have that Devin Booker doesn't necessarily need because he's got that much more runway. And so I okay. guess I guess the way I'm looking at it is 
for Chris Paul, and I've said this, I've, I've gone on the record and said this, I thought this was his last best chance to compete for a championship, and I get it. A lot of people are always going to say that because how many more good years does Chris Paul have to play? But in last year's postseason, we saw the injury that he had. This year, he had the, the hand injury after the All-Star break. We're talking about an undisclosed injury, a quad injury that he was dealing with with the NBA Finals to, to explain the lack of productivity the final five games of this series. It feels like it's always going to be something that keeps Chris Paul from getting to the championship rounds or keeps Chris Paul from being able to win the Larry O'Brien trophy. And and I don't know that we're going to have an opportunity to see Chris Paul at this stage in the NBA postseason again with the team as good as the one that he was rolling out with this year. Let's take a listen to Chris Paul and what he had to say when asked about this being the last best chance to win a championship. Did it hit you a little harder when the buzzer is a lost opportunity? Not at all. (laughs) They said that last year. Probably said it back in 08. You know, you play long enough and you don't win. Every time you lose, they're going to say it was it was your best chance. But I think for, for me, us, is we'll be right back next year. Tell you that much. I, I'm not uh, retiring tomorrow. Thank God. You know, hopefully I'm healthy, come back, but uh, we'll keep playing. Yeah, you might be right back next year, but that doesn't mean DeAndre Ayton is going to be right back next year. And it's one more year of miles on your body. And, Chris, you brought up something interesting earlier. Uh, a few minutes ago, in talking about the urgency. Do you think that this was Chris Paul not having an urgency? Or do you think this is just deteriorated skills at this point? Because I'm really beginning to believe it's the latter. I, I don't know how you explain the lack of production in scoring points, Carlin, if you are a shot creator for yourself and for others on your team. You're the point guard. You got the ball in your hands. You're the one that has to set everybody else up. And you're the guy that can pick and choose his spots and when he wants to go off. Like, it's hard for me to say that he played the final five games with the same degree of urgency that we saw in the first two games. And particularly in game two, when he went off for, what was it, 14 points in that fourth quarter? Like, that that's what you wanted to see from Chris Paul. And he was a no-show, Carlin. But is he only able to do it in a spurt or two here and there? And Okay, even if he's only able to do it in spurts, we ain't see it over the last five games. I agree. So where, where was the spurt? Uh, that's what I'm saying, that the, the skills are not there when you put as many miles on you as he did this year. And, and well, I mean, I guess, point, I guess every I... single mile, like, we all get there with a car yep. where we know when we hit a certain number, Everything that we get from that point on is gravy, baby. <laughs> you know it. And it's starting to feel like that with Chris because yeah. I, I have I really have trouble questioning the urgency level of a competitor like Chris Paul as opposed to maybe he's just a heck of a lot easier to shut down these days. And you heard Pat Beverly this morning on Get Up and on, on First Take talk about this. They let Chris Paul go ahead and shoot. Mm-hmm. There was not anything more to it than that. We're not worried about you shooting from the outside. Go nuts. Because if you beat us, that's that just happened. We're not we'll, we'll deal with that. <laughs> that that's I mean that's the truth and that speaks more to me about his deteriorating skills than anything else. No, I'm with you on that. I understand where you're coming from, but I'm just talking about just the sheer volume of shots or lack thereof. Like I know if if it's going to be my last chance, if I've got a chance with a, with a team that's capable of winning a championship and we're sinking a little bit, Carlin, I'm putting up shots. Yeah. I'm putting up I'm not going out with, you know, 15 shot attempts, 20. I mean, listen, man, we're going to put up shots. And that's not what we saw from Chris Paul 
over the course of the last five games. Now, maybe he didn't feel like he was capable of it, man, but he's got to be better in that series if they expected that they were going to have a chance, and we didn't get that from him. If he wins a championship from this point forward, it's going to be as an exceptionally limited role player off the bench. That's that's what he is at I, this point. Carlin, I hear you, but I'm just think about this, man. You're talking about in, from games three on, Chris Paul not having more than nine shot attempts. How does how does that even happen? How does that happen? I wish I how could do you, tell how you. How do you explain that? I Twelve I, points, five points, seven points, thirteen points, uh, ten points. How Chris, do you explain that? I, I I can't explain it, especially in the last two games when I look at how bad the superstar was. Uh, for there are going to be opportunities for Chris Paul when Devin Booker's that bad, and you can't get anywhere near him to, to or you can't get him but, anywhere but, near the basket. But here's my point, though, Carlin. If it's not Chris Paul and Devin Booker, who's it coming from for the Phoenix Suns? It's geared around their backcourt players. If those guys don't come to the party, then they have no shot, and that's exactly what we saw bear itself out, particularly in Game Seven. So well, it's got to be more Aiton. It's got to be more Bridges, and that's not enough. And so maybe you have to rethink how that is constructed right now in the backcourt. Oh, there's no question. There's going to be some second-guessing from Monty Williams as well as everybody in that Phoenix Suns organization, James Jones, the GM included. Coming up next, how much are you buying Daryl Morey's comments about Doc Rivers' future in Philadelphia? I'll tell you why one of us isn't sold on what Morey had to say. You're listening to Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Where do we begin? It's Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. So are you buying Daryl Morey's comments that Doc Rivers' 
future in Philly is safe. Hit us up on the CC call in line, Triple H at ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And big fella, I'm going to take Daryl Morey at his word when it comes to Doc Rivers. And I know a lot of people, yours included, has said that they've got to make some tough decisions in this organization, and head coach should absolutely be one that they look like look at. But it sounds like Daryl Morey has the blessing of ownership that they can run it back with Doc Rivers and he can be their head coach next year. And I just don't know how that puts you in a place where you're any closer to the championship if you're the Sixers. It doesn't. It doesn't. And the only thing that you could say is, let's say that they had already reached out and Jay Wright said, I'm not coaching next year, mm. period. Then you you are basically dealing with one of two things. Are you hiring Doc or keeping Doc and you owe him $24 million? Or are you firing Doc, you're paying him the $24 million, and then you're hiring Mike D'Antoni at another, what, Seven or eight million a year, oh, something we, like that. We got to stop with the D'Antoni I, talk. Or, no, we, no, it, but it can't be D'Antoni. I agree. For the love of I, God, I agree. Here's where I think they are right now. If you're just asking me, as somebody that has worked in that city and what this dynamic probably is, I guarantee you, they are hoping and praying that the Lakers want Doc, hmm. and so they get Doc off their books. And we're not talking about any kind of a trade or anything. It's just, hey, that money. You 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 know all right, Doc. You, if this is what you want, I don't. I'm not convinced Doc wants to be there. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really not. I think Doc is kind of sick of Philadelphia. Yeah, because I, it'll always be his fault. Yeah, it's not going to be on Embiid. Exactly. Yeah. and where he's making the mistake is the guy that's always asking Doc about it is Howard Eskin. <laughs> and, 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 I, love, I love Howard. I, I love Howard. He's <laughs> he's a friend of mine. He's the king, and but Howard is never afraid to ask any question in any press conference ever and always will. And that's why you actually hear Doc say, hey, Howard, hey, Howard, hey, how, and he gets ticked off. Mm-hmm. And that kind of sets him up. I think if you gave the Sixers and Doc an opportunity at what their preference is, it's that Doc gets the Lakers job. So one person wants to break up, and the other one is hoping that they break up with them. Yeah, the, yeah, the other one is hoping <laughs> That the uh, that the one person cheats on them. Okay, <laughs> so so, so so essentially, this you know is, what? This wasn't meant. This to is be. the Sixers hoping that Doc Rivers doesn't want them. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. I, I mean, I guess that's where we would have to be. And Doc that's would, what I think. Doc would have to forfeit the money that he's owed in the guarantees in order gonna, to, I mean, in order to take the Lakers job. And to get the Lakers job, he's yeah. going to get at least that much. Yeah, but I mean, to think that you're not going to be in a pressure cooker if you're leaving the Sixers to all of a sudden coach the LeBron James led Lakers. What do you think that's going to be like? I think Doc gets tired of certain situations, and I think he's gotten tired of this one faster. Hmm. But he's not going to—he's not going to quit and walk away from it. Well, I understand that he's got twenty-four million reasons. He's got twenty-four yeah. million reasons not to. All I'm just simply saying is, if you think Philly's a pressure cooker, wait till you walk into the Lakers organization with Genie Bus, the Rambi, Phil Jackson, and Rob Palenka. Not think, to mention Clutch Sports. I absolutely guarantee you this. If they get the Lakers to take the job to take him, mm-hmm. they will push and push and push for Jay Wright this time. I absolutely believe that the ownership at that point will say, "Okay, eight million for Doc off the books. I'll pay the twelve million a year for Jay Wright." Well, here's what Daryl Morey had to say in terms of what kind of coach he thinks Doc Rivers is, is. Take a listen. He's a great coach. I love working with him. I feel like um, I'm learning from him. You know, I think Elton and I 
and him make a great team. And we're going to see where this journey takes us, but we feel very good about where it's going to take us, and it's going to be where we have a very good chance to win the title. How, Carlin? How can you feel very good about where Doc Rivers is going to take you? How can you feel very good about what you saw in the second round of the playoffs? How can you feel good about that? You can't. You can't feel good about it. So he's blowing. He's got to be blowing smoke when he says that. Uh, Yeah, and unless they're going. uh, Oh, I don't think Daryl Morey's when he's out in front of the camera going to rip Doc because there's a good chance that they end up stuck with him. Yeah. For this coming year, I don't. I don't see that. Who, Who does that do any? No, Good I'm not him. saying it does any favors for him, but you don't have to sit there and lie in front of the media, too, though. I mean, it happens all the time now. No, like, I guess, we, I guess we, it, honestly, how often, like, even if he had said that and said, yes, he's going to be our coach, Woj said the other day that after that, that, yeah, listen, the next several weeks, they're all going to evaluate situation, where they are. Like, the way Woj put it, and I put all the stock in the world on what Woj says, mm-hmm. it was not. it is still not a lock that Doc is back as the head coach. I absolutely believe that to be the case. Either way. I'm hoping he's back as the head coach of the Sixers just because he's not the head coach of the Lakers. <laughs> as a Lakers fan, I don't want any yeah. parts of Doc Rivers being my head coach. <laughs> but I'm just trying to spin this thing forward from the Philly side of things, Carlin. How does Doc Rivers put you closer to winning a championship with Joel Embiid and then potentially having James Harden opt in with his contract? Let me I, phrase I just, it this way. I just don't see it. Let me phrase it this way. Does Doc Rivers put you closer to winning the championship, or does Mike D'Antoni? I would still, believe it or not, say Doc does. Yeah. So that's If you're giving me those two options, but well, I got to believe. You want to go out with and hire Kenny Atkinson? I mean, who do you? Who else do you want to go out and hire at that I, I, point? I'm just simply saying this, I, based on what I've already seen in the Eastern Conference landscape and the caliber of coaches that I'm going to be going up against. I don't know that Doc Rivers is going to be the difference in me being able to win those series when I have matchups against Giannis in the Milwaukee Bucks or Jason Tatum in the Boston Celtics. I mean, even with the Miami Heat and Eric Spolstra. I, I don't know that Doc Rivers can be the difference. I, I'll, give you an, I'll give you an interesting scenario that just popped into my head real quick. Let's just say for a second that Doc does go to the Lakers. If you're the Sixers, would you call the Knicks about Thibodeau? Because to me, Tom Thibodeau's a guy that if you have the pieces in place and you're ready to go win, he might be that guy that puts you over the top. But you have to be, you have to be that team. I couldn't imagine a world where Tibbs and James Embiid. Harden could coexist. Neither could I. I could see I could see, see I could see Tibbs and, and Embiid. I just couldn't see Tibbs and James Harden. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know. If, I don't fact, know if that'll work out. And that was just a hypothetical. Yeah, but as yeah. the world turns with the Philadelphia 76ers, yeah. we'll keep a close eye on that Doc Rivers' future, as well as what the Sixers are going to do with the rest of their offseason plans. But coming up next, how much does Chris Middleton being out for the series and the Bucks losing detract from the greatness of Jason Tatum and what the Boston Celtics have done? We'll have somebody in the NBA circles weigh in on all that question. You're listening to Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Talking NBA with the Dallas Mavs and the Boston Celtics advancing to the conference finals and leaving the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns in their wake. For more on that and for all things NBA, we turn to the CC Carlin line and bring on Sports Illustrated senior writer Chris Mannix. And Mannix, it's been a long time since we had a chance to chop it up. You're on with Kenny and Carlin, and I just want to get things kicked off with this because we were having the conversation last segment about the future of Doc Rivers and how Daryl Morey came out on Friday and said that he expects him to come back as Sixers head coach next season. Is that the expectation around NBA circles, or is Doc Rivers potentially in the running for another NBA job? No, I think Doc will be back on the Sixers sideline. I think there were some teams – with coaching vacancies that were interested to see how it played out between Doc and the 76ers. But Daryl Morey was, you know, pretty emphatic with his statement at his press availability the other day about Doc coming back. And there's no indications that Doc is looking to get out at this point. I think it's the right call. I mean, you know, Doc has had his critics over the years about some of his coaching decisions, but this is one of those seasons where, you know, no Ben Simmons all season long, a midseason trade that not only brings in a brand new, you know, alpha in that team and James Harden, but guts the bench in a way that uh, hurt the 76ers uh, in the playoffs. So I, I think you've got to give, you know, Doc Rivers and the full team, a full training camp, a full season to really know if they're the right mix. So I'd be surpri- surprised if there was any other scenario except for Doc Rivers returning next year. Okay, Chris, with that in mind, how does the James Harden situation play out? You know, it's hard to say because uh, it has the potential to be really complicated. Um, I think James Harden has a lot of leverage here. Uh, He can, you know, discuss the parameters of a new long-term deal with the 76ers, knowing that, you know, he can kind of throw down his ace anytime, which is to opt into that contract and the $47 million dollars he'd be paid next year. He has until June 29th to make that decision. And he also now has, you know, six weeks or so to survey the landscape and see if there is another team out there willing to pay him, you know, four years and near max type numbers. I'm skeptical of that because most of the NBA types that I talk to say, there's no way uh, James Harden is getting the match from the 76ers or anybody, but you know, Harden, you know, if worse comes to worse, he just opts in, He collects a $47 million check next season, and he tries to kind of rebuild after an up-and-down season that was, you know, 
affected by the trade, affected by injuries, uh, inconsistency, a lot of things, and, and see if he can be better hitting the free agent market next summer. Talking with Sports Illustrated senior writer and NBC Sports Boston NBA analyst Chris Mannix on Candy and Carlin. And Mannix, without further ado, we got to get to it. That blowout loss that the Phoenix Suns had in Game 7 on their home court leaves a lot of questions about the future of the Suns and Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton in particular. Ayton restricted free agency. And then Chris Paul with a couple of years remaining on that contract that he signed this past summer. What what happens with both of those guys in the desert, and how do the Phoenix Suns proceed and move forward with this team? Well, Paul will be back. Um, you know, he's got the contract. He's not really tradable at age 37. Um, and, look, he had a tough finish to this season. Uh, but for most of the year, you know, he was kind of a all-NBA type player, all-star caliber player uh, with that team. So he'll be back with the Suns next year. Aiton – a little bit more complicated. I mean, they could not agree on an extension before the start of this season. Um, Aiden played really well, but, you know, I, unless the Suns want to pony up and give him the full $177 million max, there's a chance he could go into restricted free agency, see if he can find an offer, see if that team that signs him to the offer pays him the kind of contract that might make it unpalatable for Phoenix to sign. Remember, you know, Aiden wouldn't just be getting kind of a four-year deal from a team in restricted free agency. Teams structure these deals, you know, very strategically. Like, they they include a lot of poison pills in these deals that would make it unpalatable for a team like Phoenix to match that offer. So that's a risk that the Suns could take. Aiden could also sign the qualifying offer. You know, guys ordinarily don't do that, but he could sign a qualifying offer, go into next season, become an unrestricted free agent at the end of next year. So there's there's certainly a lot to discuss when it comes to eight, but one thing I would say is that more often than not, in fact, like 99% of the time, when a guy is in Aiden's position and he's going to get a max or near max, generally they come to a deal. Uh, so there may be some, some, you know, bickering along the way and some difficult haggling, but if I had to guess, I would say DeAndre Aiden and Phoenix figure it out. Chris Mannix, SI senior writer, and of course of NBC Sports Boston, joining us. All right, Chris, uh, being in Boston, there was the talk not all that long ago that people didn't think that maybe uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown could play together, yet Ime Odoka comes in, and this team is headed for the conference finals. Where has his biggest impact been with the Celtics, Udoka, that is? Well, twofold. One, his defensive philosophies are excellent. Um, granted, he has had the benefit of having an elite defensive point guard in Marcus Smart, something that Brad Stevens did not have during his time as head coach. He went from Isaiah Thomas to Kyrie Irving to Kemba Walker, and those are the players you had to kind of try to hide. Marcus Smart is a player you put on everybody, position one through five, and that has you know, enabled the Celtics to be that kind of switching pressure defense that has given so many teams trouble. Number one defense in the NBA uh, for a reason. The other less, you know, tangible part of all this is that Udoka is just a different kind of voice. I mean, Brad Stevens had more of a softer touch with this roster. He wasn't really keen on taking his issues with the team public, you know, blasting these guys to the press. Emi Udoka did that from day one, really. He was going after these guys relentlessly when they were making mistakes. And he was breaking them, I think, of some bad habits. He was 
you know, working behind the scenes to, to make them less selfish, to make the offense less individually oriented. And when guys wouldn't do it, Ime would come out and tell the media that they weren't doing it right. And that's not the kind of thing these guys were used to experiencing when Brad Stevens was there. So even though this team struggled the first couple of months of the season, you know, that was great coaching. Like, that was Ime Yodoka, you know, trying to fix the things that ailed this team in the last season or two. And ultimately, as this team took off after January 1st, uh, his, his, you know, his aim was successful. Mannix, we got 30 seconds left right now, partner, because we're up against it. But I got to ask you really quick, with the Celtics taking that step to the conference finals, it feels like Jason Tatum is an emerging superstar. Luka Doncic, the same thing. Are both of those guys top five players in your mind? Luka is. Tatum is almost there. More games like game six of these conference semifinals like you got to get Milwaukee, Tatum will get there. But Luka definitely, Tatum on his way. All right, we appreciate it, my man. Thanks for jumping on with us. We'll talk to you again real soon. You got it, guys. All right, that's Sports Illustrated senior writer and NBC Sports Boston area NBA analyst Chris Mannix jumping on Candy and Carlin. Coming up next, Matt Barnes calling out another NBA player for his disrespectful comments about Chris Paul. We'll explain. You're listening to Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
Big fella, we've got our latest installment of Baller on Baller Crime. <laughs> this time coming from the NBA, and it has to do with some comments that Patrick Beverly made on Get Up This Morning. When talking about Chris Paul, and let's just say it wasn't the most flattering picture that he painted, saying that Chris Paul is not a dog. He's played against dogs. He's guarded dogs. He said Luka Doncic is a dog. Chris Paul is not a dog. Well, let me tell you who was not here for the Chris Paul slander. That would be ESPN NBA analyst Matt Barnes. And he had some interesting things to say about Pat Bev's comments on NBA Today. Take a listen to what Matt Barnes had to say about Chris Paul. Well, what I want to touch on real quick, RJ, is the disrespect I saw from Pat Beverly earlier today. You know, as, as, as reporters, you know, as part of the media, we have a job to be critical. But I think there's a, a thin line between being critical and disrespecting. And I feel like what Pat Beverly did today to Chris Paul was completely disrespectful and out of the line. And Pat Beverly's talking like he's that guy. You're not that guy. Plain and simple. Chris Paul played terrible this year, and his numbers are still better than your career numbers have ever been. So I just think you have to understand, Chris is a 12-time All-Star. He played terrible. First time, all defense nine times, seven times first team all defense. He'll be a Hall of Famer. Pat Bev and I were similar type role players. They don't talk about us when we go. They're going to talk about CP3 when he's done. And I just think the disrespect we saw earlier today on the ESPN show need to be checked because he was way out of pocket. All he needed was the red clown nose because he was out there talking like a clown today. And I just think to me, again, the CP is a legend in this game. You know, again, we were role players in this game. So have some respect for guys. He did play terrible. He'd be the first one to tell you. But the shots that that Bev took today were just out of pocket. I know no one else is going to tell him that, so I'm going to tell him that. Matt Barnes coming in hot. And he'll be on Spain and Fitz tonight at 730. So make sure that you stay dialed in. Matt Barnes is appointment radio. But, big fella, for those people that don't know Pat Barnes, that don't know Matt Barnes, the disrespect will not be tolerated Ooh, by Matt Barnes on any level. On any level. I don't think this Pat man, Barnes this, would either. No, listen. <laughs> that man, Matt Barnes, will come see you about that. How do I know that? Because he's done that literally. <laughs> don't mess with Matt Barnes. That's all I'm going to say. But what you have, what did you think about what he had to say about Chris Paul? <sighs> wow. That was, let's call it what it was. That was that was Derek Fisher-like commentary. Wow. Hell no. <laughs> wow, you, you just, you had to say the name. Huh? I did. Well, and listen. Was, he wrong, was he wrong about his assessment and what Pat Beverly did this morning? Uh, Pat was thoroughly, thoroughly honest in his assessment, in, in his own mind, about yeah. what it was. I think it was a little rough, but. I'm here for all the smoke. I'm here to watch the whole thing. You know what? A plug for Matt Barnes' show. It's good for us all. <laughs> Coming down the stretch here on Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. And big fella, we got to give a shout-out to all the guests that came on the show today. Dallas Mavericks legend and Mavs TV analyst Derek Harper jumping on to help us break down the Mavs' performance in Game 7 on their way to the Western Conference Finals. Also, Gambo, our guy John Gambadoro, Arizona Sports 98.7 FM, to give us what the Mavs left in their wake, the Phoenix Suns, who now have an offseason that's a little bit longer than anybody expected. ESPN NFL analyst Mina Kimes, who really got in her bag about the NBA postseason and our top five because she happened to disagree with it. And then Sports Illustrated senior writer, NBC Sports Boston NBA analyst Chris Mannix, giving us the latest on Doc Rivers in Philly as well as some of the moves that we can expect teams to make this summer. If you missed any of it, go to the Candy and Carlin podcast, download, rate, and subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. Big fella, now is the time for us in this show to go three and out. 
Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. And big fella, you know ESPN has been making ways when it comes to Monday Night Football. We now have the new crew with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman actually calling the games. But we got some more news on the Monday Night Football front. Starting in 2023, ESPN's Monday Night Football will finally be included in flex scheduling from weeks 14 to weeks 18 and also feature three Monday Night Football doubleheaders. So I know everybody that loves Monday Night Football is excited about this because that means we get to see better matchups later on in the season, games with playoff implications. But, big fella, your thoughts on ESPN's Monday Night Football being a part of Flex Schedule. Well, thank, first of all, thank God. That's great. That's <laughs> phenomenal to get better games. I am curious as to how long before they will be allowed to do it, because if you know what the Sundays deal with that, I think there's one time that they can leave it up to a week in advance, and all the other times it's two weeks in advance, mm-hmm. but that the network can say a week in advance we want this game, something like that, maybe from like week 16 to 18. Mm-hmm. So like at late in the year... It's one thing moving the game time to later. What about moving it a full day if you're in week 17? How far in advance do you get to know that? Because you know how it is. Like planning that whole how we're going to approach those last couple of weeks of the year, especially when you're a team presumably that's in it, that's a little tricky. No, it is tricky, but I will say this. Players don't have pads on when they're practicing at that time of year. And nobody's going to argue about having an extra day of rest. No. So, I mean, for a coach, it's like this is one of those things that's a gift if your team is playing well, plan, I guess. No, no question about it. If your team is playing well, you get an extra day of rest and an extra day of game plan. So it's a win for everybody if your team gets flexed into that spot. But the downside of that is, big fella, you have a shorter week for the following right. week's opponent. That's what I mean. That's, yeah. that's where the tricky part is. That's where the tricky part comes in. But at that point in the season, you take them one game at a time because <laughs> each game means that much. Meanwhile. We know how much the game meant for Luka Doncic and his legacy, being able to have that kind of Game 7 performance. But that game meant a lot for Spencer Dinwiddie, too, the second-leading scorer for the Dallas Mavs in Game 7 in their win over the Phoenix Suns, 123-90, because we know that Spencer Dinwiddie received 571427 bucks as a contract bonus for his team mm. reaching the conference finals. Now... There's also another clause, another incentive that Spencer Dinwiddie can earn this postseason. Dinwiddie also has a bonus in his contract if the Mavs win the NBA title. Now, that bonus is for $1, Chris Carlin, (laughs) a $1 bonus. So my question to you, big fella, which incentive is Spencer Dinwiddie more excited about? The $1 bonus? Or the five hundred grand he just got. Well, you got to be more excited about the five hundred grand. But I, uh. I did, I did. Listen, you want to win a title? Was that going to mean more than five hundred grand down the line for Hell him? Hell yeah. yeah! Okay, take it for one that knows. Okay, I'm still trading off a of twenty eleven. <laughs> It's the only reason I'm here, big fella. All right, that's fair. That's fair. But the, he did say he would take the $1 bonus in pennies. That, that's oh, tremendous. He, oh, listen, if he got that $1 bonus in pennies, you have to put that on the trophy case. Oh, yeah. You have to put I'd that up there on your trophy all case. Of them in like exactly. one big thing of loose Yeah, that would be awesome. A <laughs> hundred pennies. I love it. Speaking of things that I love, Carlin, this day in Lakers history, Magic Johnson 
starts at center versus the 76ers in game six of the 19 NBA Finals. And the reason why I love it is it started the beginning of the era of Showtime basketball, Magic Johnson winning his first championship. So your thoughts on Magic Johnson and what he was able to do in that spot for the L.A. Lakers, I, who were down Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, you know, if you just watch Winning Time, you were reminded of this, but I had always contended, um, and I didn't. I don't remember the game, but that particular performance and watching it later on in life, um, you know, when NBA TV used to show classics and stuff, 42 points and like 16 rebounds to move in and play center in a game six to win a championship, you don't get more impressive than that as an accomplishment. No doubt about it. Do no it. doubt about it. I mean, Magic Johnson was, I mean, was phenomenal in that spot, but I think that speaks to his competitive greatness, which is one of the things we spent a lot of time talking about on this show. Guys stepping up, being at their best right. when their best is required. We've Luka seen it from Luka, as, yeah. and we're seeing it from Jason Tatum as well. And like you said earlier, Luka just as good as Magic. No. Wow. See, why do you got to take it there? Mid-thought, I'm thinking about I'm trying to move is... three and out forward, and you're trying to derail the damn segment. It's not derail. It's yeah, just, you are. I, it's just remember. I never said that. I never said that. Never uttered the words. Never uttered the words. We'll get the tape. Yeah, it's disgusting <laughs> from you. Um, Something that is on a more sober note, the intersection of sports in real life. We got to talk about what Bill's safety Micah Hyde is doing. He's donating a portion of the softball game, his charity softball game, to proceeds to support the shooting victims from the incident at the grocery store in Buffalo, New York, over the weekend. Hyde said the long-term plan, the long-planned charity game on Sunday was almost canceled after a while, after a white 18-year-old man opened fire Saturday at a supermarket in a predominantly black neighborhood in Buffalo, leaving 10 dead and three injured. Micah Hyde said, and I quote, if we stopped and canceled everything because of hate, we wouldn't move forward. Hyde, uh, of course, Josh Allen, his teammate, said at the event, the, gave, the Bills players gave, gave them an opportunity to get out there and show their face and show that we care about their community. So awesome from the Buffalo Bills players. Awesome from Micah Hyde. I tip my cap to him because that's something that the community could get behind in order to trigger the healing process. So shout out to Micah Hyde. Shout out to all the Buffalo Bills. It's a tough moment, but um, those guys are trying to do something to help out. 